The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Not gonna lie, you said Azazel, and my brain immediately went to Batman Ark of Night. <laughs> so if you'd like to see a separate podcast that's just me going over Brandon Sanderson books, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you assume God is talking to you after the first voice you hear in a Walmart? <laughs> How many phantom voices do you hear in a Walmart? All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is Joshua. To my left is I'm I'm Joel, and and to my left is Caleb. It's me. So full circle. Unfortunately, we are missing Colton, and so as sad. as per, yeah, as per the norm, we are also missing Stuart. Yeah. Um, Joel, what's that? Oh, I was gonna say we swear we're gonna get him on soon. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. eventually you'll hear from Stuart. Yeah, absolutely. Joel, what do we do on the internet? Um, mostly just mess around till work's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so we are on the internet as secondratesaints.com. Um, that's kind of the uh, crossroads of where you can find everything that we're doing. Our uh, YouTube page, our Instagram. Um, we're trying to stay fairly active with uploads throughout the summer. Um, if there's anything you'd like us to cover or anything uh, you'd like to talk about, um, just show up in the comment section or show up on our website, and we've got a little message button. Or you can email us directly at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Yeah, and that's... Hopefully we can, you know, get some new stuff on the go um, during the summer. Caleb, there's a word on the street as you read. Okay. What have you read? <laughs> I've, I've been known to read occasionally. Yes. Uh, not as much as the m- machine that is Josh, but uh, it's okay. Hey, this guy read a... Joel read a, like a 1200 page book over the yeah. last month. It's like two Fiction weeks. doesn't count though. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> That's I, a lot. Yeah. So I'm not actually going to talk about Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> am I? No, no. I just needed to point out that I'm not the only one that reads a lot. I do read. I'm just not an effective reader. Um, so sometimes I'll just get hyper focused on too. Um, fantasy series instead of actual things that'll be helpful to the podcast. So if you'd like to see a separate podcast that's just me going over Brandon Sanderson books, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I read a book called The Anglican Way uh, by Thomas McKenzie, which is basically as it, it, it's what it sounds like. It's kind of like, hey, this is how the Anglican church does stuff. This is the Anglican tradition. Right. This is the calendar. How the church reflects the calendar. What is this, what is the daily office? All that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It's pretty introductory. Um, it's like two hundred some odd pages. Okay. Um, goes a little bit into the history, but basically, it's it's super introductory. It's very much for beginners. But if you wanted to know, like from as an outsider, if you want to know about Anglicanism, it's the perfect book to read in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like twenty bucks. It's, I kind of wish other denominations had books like these, because mm-hmm. like as me, who's interested in other traditions, just kind of becoming acquainted <laughs> with other stuff, right? Um, it was, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect bite size, like yeah. introduction to something. It'd be awesome if other traditions had that too. Um, yeah. We have one. It's just hasn't been updated in 400 years. The, the cannons of Dort. Dort. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's talking about the cannons of Dort, everybody. <laughs> That's yeah. such a funny name. Which was written on top of the actual cannons of, of Dort. Dort. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, you That's said so it, awesome. dude. I wasn't going to say it. Dude, so like the, the, the cannons of Dort, like the writing, like the, yeah. the, were written on top of like actual like firing cannons. Yeah, no, I, I got that. That were stored in the basement. That were used in the Reformation War. In the Dort Fort. <laughs> in in the city, in the chapel of Dort, in the city of Dort, That's the fortress awesome. of Dort, fortress of Dort. Dort, 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 Dort. And then Fort Holland Dort. flooded their country. You can't get us if we <laughs> flood our own country. <laughs> they just broke all the dams and let the ocean take over. Come God get said it. he would never. God said he would never flood the earth again. I made no such promise. <laughs> 
Anyway. <laughs> so what, what would you say the benefit is of looking outside of your tradition? Oh, there's so much. Um, for one, you don't just get like this weird, narrow view of like, oh, my denomination has it all figured out and we're the ones who actually understand that the spirit moves towards a church or something mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Oh, not everyone believes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you also can appreciate how other denominations have done especially with something like, let's say, Anglicanism, where they have they have a hard emphasis on common spiritual practices and, like, mm-hmm. a spiritual disciplines. Um, you can look at that and go, that's super cool. I would like to emulate some of that. Or it's kind of like, yeah. y- you, can, you can learn and value other traditions, um, let's say their strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that this, so you, you read a book on Eastern Orthodoxy not too long ago. Hmm. Would you say this... Um, was closer to practicality than that one was? Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, the introducing Eastern Orthodox theology written by an, actually another English guy turned Orthodox, although I don't remember his name. Uh, it was just straight theology. Yeah. So he didn't really talk about how their church practices go. Right. Yeah. Whereas reading the Anglican way, you could walk into an Anglican service mm-hmm. and you would be able to recognize, Oh, this is what the book talked about in the service where yeah. the, the introducing Eastern Orthodox theology was just their theology. Hmm. Like the book, or the Orthodox way. Yeah, but that doesn't exist. You want to write it? Uh, when I went to the, the Orthodox Church, they had a book called the Orthodox Way. That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it was again just like self-printed, oh. just idol worship. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I see. Joel, You're, uh, Joel yeah. over here, iconic classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if someone's going to be a committed, hard and fast, ignorant Pentecostal. There we go. <laughs> I will wear that name tag till I die. No. Um, Somebody I, has to. <laughs> I may have to give Anglican Way a read just because uh, where I grew up, it was Pentecostalism and Anglicanism, and they never seem to cross over very often. So I'd be surprised to see if there is any crossover that should have happened. Oh, I'll let you borrow it. It's, it's, a, it's cool. a fast read. Nice. I'd recommend it. I'd, uh, three and a half, four to five. Okay. So cool, it's, cool. it's it's all right. So to switch to Josh's uh, point, um, we weren't here for the last episode. You're going to yeah. have to give us a rundown on, on exactly what we're, yeah. what we're going through. So we have finished the Book of Ruth. We did two episodes on that. Yeah. Right. We, like... You're we dating did. this podcast. Yeah, the podcast. Bit, yeah. <laughs> the podcast finished the book of Ruth. Yeah. The podcast finished the book of Ruth. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we moved to Samuel. It's the book right after, but it's also what we decided to, in like our meetings and where we wanted to go mm-hmm. for the podcast, for the topics. Um, and it's a good carry through because while Ruth ended like, it takes place during the judges period. Samuel yeah. and like begins with the end of the judges period. Yes. Samuel is the last judge and he's also the first prophet in a while. And he's uh, the, what is the term? The, uh, the person who makes Kings, the King maker. No, there's a there's, certain <laughs> German term. There's yeah. a German term for it. Um, yeah. So he is the one who anoints Kings mm-hmm. for God on God's behalf. Yeah. Um, and he's a, He's a Christ image future. There's a lot of similarities between him and Christ in his development, specifically in his childhood mm-hmm. um, with his parents and the descriptions about Samuel and how he like grows up in the ways of the Lord and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and so like themes throughout the books of Samuel are kingship, anointing and obedience mm-hmm. and wickedness. Yeah. Um, who God chooses to anoint who God chooses not to anoint, um, what God says is obedience and what the people think is obedience. Yeah. What God says is faithfulness, what they think is faithfulness mm-hmm. and the interplay between those things. Um, and so last episode we focused on Samuel one chapter one yeah. and chapter two up to verse 11. Okay. Can you give us a rundown on what that? Absolutely. So let me just go to the other document that I had. Uh, we talked about, uh, so the way we had it split up was we talked about Elkanah and uh, Hannah and Panina. Mm-hmm. Hannah and Panina are Elkanah's two wives. Panina has kids. Um, Hannah does not. She's barren. Um, but Elkanah, unlike every other man in that time, continues to love his wife 
against the cultural norm. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if a wife was barren, you had every right as a husband to remove. This is also one of the last cases outside of kingship mm-hmm. for there to be polygamy. Um, in the old Testament. See, I feel like you're wrong, but I don't, I can't think of any. Yeah. So, and the reason for that is because when the Kings come, they, they stop being nomadic, like Mm -hmm. in their lifestyle and polygamy was used at, in nomadic cultures be as a help to, so that women were not left untaken care of, um, as part of the, the program. Oh yeah. So yeah, because they would have nowhere to go. And if their parents died or their family died, they would have nothing. And so, and your like retirement plan was sons that could keep you alive. And so if a, there were more women than men that were born, those women had to go somewhere. And so they would be married to men and oftentimes wealthier men got more wives because they could take care of more Mm -hmm. people. Did you make the connection that the polygamy might've been related to his wealth? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, And he was reliable. As you see, (laughs) he is a very faithful, reliable man and obedient to God. So this is like just at the end of the Bronze Age kind of a thing, right? Um, So there's a switchover of dynasties. So it's when Israel's getting richer, essentially. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you make the connection there? It would be... I don't... Because it's when Egypt is releasing all of its vassal treaties and they're building up by themselves. Yeah. And it's Israel has seen all these other nations get kings Mm -hmm. and seen the wealth that is coming from that. Yeah. And Israel wants kings. Mm -hmm. And so now Israel is transferring between that state. They're in with the story of Elkanah. They're in between the state of not having kings and having kings. Cool. And that becomes the theme of Samuel and starts off the whole kingship era of Israel's history. Um, and so that's part of the reason why you see this is like one of the last cases of polygamy, but why it matters in this story. Um, and what ends up happening is they go up for, they go up in two trips in chapter one and two. Um, they go up one trip without any, without Hannah having a kid and she weeps and she, uh, she worships God and she asks the one who is, in that culture, if you were barren, you were considered cursed by God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is she goes to God to get that curse removed. Mm-hmm. And the way she offers her son is a negation of his redemption process from the firstborn sons being replaced by Levites. Right. Right. And so she's negating herself from that blessing. She's saying, if you can give me kids, I won't take this blessing. The kid's yours. Mm-hmm. Just, I just lift the curse, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, she, and then she prays without actually verbally. Yeah. yeah. It's deep weeping. It's like ugly crying mm-hmm. where you're just overwhelmed by the emotion. Um, and Eli, who we find out in this story, is a bad priest, um, is assumes she's a drunk at the temple and is like, hey, get away. Um and she reveals that she's not drunk. She's just super sad. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh my gosh, blessed are you, right? May, may your petition be granted yeah. by God. She goes home. Her and Elkanah know each other, which is biblical uh, euphemism. euphemism for sex. Um, and she has a kid and on their next yearly annual family trip to the temple to sacrifice a fellowship offering and to share in the meat and to, which is, which is a cool thing that O'Connor does because he's going over and above in his obedience and piety, um, which is also interesting because that might be like, there's a fun connection there, like father, like son, like O'Connor might be why. Samuel is more obedient than Eli is Mm. because he sees it in his father coming every year, like Mm -hmm. his family coming and doing this. Um, And so they make the sacrifice and she comes with a kid Um, and she goes to Eli and she's like, Hey, this is the kid that I said, like I prayed for. And I was like, cool. And she's like, here you go. 
He's like, oh. <laughs> and it says she brings three bowls, a portion of flour, and a portion of wine. What's interesting is that's unnecessary, but she promised to bring something else. And the the portion she gives, she gives, she promised to bring a portion of these things. She gives three of each. So like her and Elkanah give more than needed than they even promised. Right. Again, showing how much, how much, how generous they are and how pious they are in their faith. Right. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a, her song gets into God's sovereignty and yeah. how God does these reversals. He is the one in control of all of creation and he makes barren and then he makes somebody able to have children. He destroys the enemy and raises up his ally. He mm-hmm. makes crooked and he raises up. He kills and then he raises up from the dead. He brings to Sheol and then he raises up to new life. Mm. So if if the previous story was mm-hmm. about, you know, God blessing someone, mm-hmm. and generally there's a bit of comparison going on sometimes yeah. in the Bible, um, I think we we can transfer into what we're talking about now. Some contrast. <laughs> some some contrast. Yes, Joel. Um, so, and much like Hannah, they were asking for it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's a very good. That's very good. Yeah. So the way we open up Joel into Samuel chapter two. Mm-hmm. Uh, verses 12 or whatever. Verses 12. <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> Eli's Eli- sons were scoundrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eli's sons were worthless mm-hmm. men. I think it's interesting that this links to Judge's whole um, Jephthah, leader of worthless men. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is, because he also made bad Ex- oaths. Expand on that. So um, is it Jephthah? Is that his name? Or Japheth? Because Jeph- one of them is Noah's son and one of them is the guy in Judges. And I can never remember. Jep- it was Jephthah, wasn't it? Okay. Genesis 10, quickly. So you know most of the judges by the stories that they committed, essentially. <laughs> the stories that they committed. Whoa. Yeah, and this guy was like, hey. Jephthah is Noah's son. So Japheth is the. Japheth. Japheth, so he was out at war. Um, well, actually, he was uh, kind of the worst among his brothers, and then they all sent him away. And when he was away in this foreign land, he became kind of the leader of thieves, right? So they called him the leader of worthless men. And uh, the idea was they weren't relying on God's protection. They just went to kind of the local warlord who was this scorned guy off in the distance. And they said, hey, please, you know, serve God for us kind of a thing. And he goes out into the battle and he says, Lord, if you give me this victory, then I will sacrifice the first thing that comes to greet me as I return home or like the first thing I see when I get home, uh, thinking it was going to be one of his cattle and his daughter meets him Mm -hmm. and he sacrifices her. So when you say that they were worthless, the first thing I think of is like, they were so far gone from the purpose God had set Mm -hmm. out for them. Um, that it was inevitable they were going to misuse the power that he had. Yeah. Um, such as a vow. So already in Judges, we've been set up with this idea of bad vows make bad leaders. <laughs> right? Yes. And yeah. and Eli's sons were no different. Um, hopefully that relates enough to this episode that we could leave it in there. But No, you're right. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly check up on the word again. So the word used for worthless there or mm-hmm. scoundrel is belia all or yeah. belial mm-hmm. in plain English. Um, and the reason that is so interesting is because it literally means without worth. Yeah. Um, let me just get to it here. But it, without profit, bad. without worth, they are worth worthlessness. They are destruction. They are described as destruction, like mm-hmm. men of destruction, uh, wickedness, worthlessness, uh, ruin, good for nothing, unprofitable, base fellow. That's a that sounds British. You base <laughs> fellow. <laughs> but anyone what are you who's calling you? He's calling you worthless. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you base model person. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, so terrible. The reason they're described as worthless is because of what they would do. Mm. Um, some horrible stuff. Uh, Caleb, <laughs> He's what was like the main thing that they were known for doing? Um, taking, so that you're supposed to like 
people bring sacrifices, they bring meat. Um, it's offered to God, and then they stick in a fork, and whatever they catch in the fork is what they is their portion. Mm-hmm. Um, people would bring the meat, and they'd go, "Hey, so I want my, to cut off my portion now." And the people would be like, "Hey, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah. come on, this is not let how us things burn are done first. Yeah, let's burn the fat off first. Yeah. And they were like, "No." And if you don't let me take a portion of the meat now, I'll take it by force. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. "I guess you're the priest, okay?" <laughs> um, and so they were getting fat off the fat. Yes, getting heavy. They were getting heavy. That's going to come up. Um, and also, they were okay. sleeping with the women outside of the tent. Yeah, at that was a pretty big one. Dude. No, You're not like, just outside the tent. Stationed at the entrance. Yes. So they had a actual purpose. Yeah. Working for the temple. It's like it's it's like if someone was sleeping with the church secretary. <laughs> yeah. It's like the pastor was sleeping. With <laughs> yeah. Just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty one to one with uh, modern day uh, scandals. But I want to bring it out of modernity and talk about the scoundrels word also means demons. <laughs> I just want to bring that up because someone's going to bring that up. Why? <laughs> it's it's got to be me. Not directly. Not directly, but no different than accuser. <laughs> well, it would be because. In Caleb that case, the, well, I'm gonna because I'm the the resident Satan expert because that's what I studied in biblical theology. He's a Satanist. Is that what you're going after? No, no expert no. on Satan. Okay, different. Yeah. Um, uh, the reason for the like why you would say the accuser is mm-hmm. a demon is because that is ex- that is substantiated by the culture at the time. Okay. Whereas Belial becomes a name for a demon in later cultures mm. referencing wickedness belial in the biblical text so okay. oh interesting yeah so like whereas in the bible it's clear that the satan is an evil being yeah that is doing these things to oppose humanity and to oppose to oppose god's people and to oppose god by opposing god's people mm-hmm. um and getting them to fall belial is a like post Jewish developed demon yeah. that is using references from the biblical text to describe his behavior. Like, like a Zazel. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you, which you is still wilderness. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Yes. Cause of the, cause of the young Kippur. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there's like in like weird demonology with like, paradise lost mm-hmm. there's a separation between the leviathan beelzebub and the satan they're three different beings yeah even though in the biblical text they would be all referring to the same being not gonna lie you said azazel and my brain immediately went to batman arkham knight <laughs> like, what <laughs> yeah you know like the batman arkham knight game <laughs> <laughs> yeah one to one with first samuel well no um, but that's cool because the the way they're behaving is what influences demons in yeah. pop culture. Yeah. yeah. So these guys are bad mm-hmm. because not only are they doing those things, but God specifically says they did not recognize the Lord's authority and they did not know the Lord. So mm-hmm. some translations will say they did not recognize the Lord's authority and some will say they did not know the Lord. What's interesting about that is previously in this text, when it says the word no mm-hmm. in between humans, like, someone knew someone it it's connotates in- intimacy intimacy yeah so they have absolute they they cognitively un- know who god is and they're working for him but they have absolutely no relationship yeah absolutely no um level of connection with the god that they're working for right it is simply a position that they've been placed in and they're using it for the benefits hmm. which sucks which sucks, but it's also kind of an archetype of bad pastors. Um, yeah. They're yeah. using it for the profit. Yeah. But they're He's profitless. Embezzling <laughs> with the secretary. <laughs> I'm a pastor for the profit. Wait. It can be taken like three oh different ways. Guys, that's good. We could just like, like every like mega church pastor that does that yeah. is a Hopney and fin- Phineas. Yeah. I. But here's the thing. They probably wouldn't understand the insult. Because <laughs> they haven't read that before. <laughs> yeah. 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 
I think one of the evil sons of one of them is also named Joel, which someone brought up to me recently. I was like, oh, bummer. Yeah. yeah. And they're also breaking a commandment. One of the Ten Commandments specifically says that they do not obey their father when he tells them to now stop. That's a funny one, though, because mm-hmm. he tells them and then God's like, nope, you're not going to listen to your dad. <laughs> yeah, because he he. What does the text actually say? They, they, I mean, to be fair, they they kind they, of are against more than just one. They re- they do not obey their father for the Lord had decided to kill them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's reminiscent of um, Pharaoh yes. in Exodus, where it's just like given the opportunity, but then God's like, no, harden your heart. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. I've decided your fate. Yeah. Yes. And later on, we'll get into this. There's no forgiveness. No, no chance at repentance through sacrifice or grain offering. You're done. Yep. It's awful. But so they're presented as wicked. Uh, Eli's sons and by extension, Eli's behavior before. Eli assuming that this grieving woman is drunk. Yeah. Even though like this could just be me. But are those two easily confusable things? Like, because some people would say, like, she might have been stumbling about and stuff like yeah. that. Maybe. But it is showing his lack of discernment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the only thing Eli is actually shown to have is a lack of discernment. kind of. A yeah. Thing, right? Yes, he does also, as we're about to discuss, mm-hmm. he does discern that, oh, God's speaking to Samuel. Yeah, after three tries. <laughs> he, yeah, what is he supposed to <laughs> He's a young guy. <laughs> do, do you assume God is talking to you after the first name, after the first phantom voice you hear in a Walmart? How many, <laughs> how many phantom voices do you hear in a Walmart? That's where I've received my calling to ministry. <laughs> normally, all I, normally all I hear on the PA system at Walmart. <laughs> and I took that to mean go into the ministry for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, You know when somebody calls out like somebody else like in a store where they're like, Joel, and then you're like, what? And then it's just like another guy walks up to the woman and you're like, oh, yeah. Or like the wave. Yeah. Yeah. When someone's waving to someone behind you. I've been hurt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, he, he is not. Shown He's got bad discernment, right? And I I get that it's a whole like the calling three times is like pretty solid, but someone should have figured it out. I think three times is a reasonable amount. Mm -hmm. I I guess so. I guess if if he truly was spiritually bankrupt, um, there would be no reason for him to know what the voice of God sounds like. We're getting a little ahead, but yeah, but it's also like the word of God had not been common, it says. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's very true. There's no reason for him, not no reason. It's 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 reasonable for him to conclude that that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. by the third time, he's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then it gets into, so it talks about their son, his sons. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about Elkanah's son. Oh, in the, contrast. the contrast again. Yeah. And it says, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy, mm-hmm. not a man. Right, a boy clothed in linen ephod that his mother made. <laughs> a little dude. Right. Sunday best. <laughs> he's Sunday best. Right. This little boy, he's just ministering yeah. faithfully. And Okana and his wife, Hannah, Samuel's mother, come by every year, and every year she brings him a new ephod. Oh wow. How does she, how does she know what size he's gonna be? Um, they're, they're robes. They're not like jeans where they have to be like exact. <laughs> it's not a crisp pair of denims. She's bringing them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and Eli blesses Elkanah and his wife and says, may the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked for the Lord. So then they would return to their home. And indeed the Lord visited Hannah. And she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. What a happy ending <laughs> for, for them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For Samuel, he kind of just knew what his job was going to be. Yeah, but the he knew, but in the presence of bad teachers and examples, mm. right? 
normally when people are like, when you grow up in a bad environment, you like, because of your, the, the people around you, you imitate them. Right. Like if you grow up on a bad side of town, you end up, most kids will fall into crime Mm -hmm. because they're around the gangs. They're around Mm -hmm. the uh, bad families that are not socio socioeconomically high up on the scale. And so they behave like people that are not there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but Samuel is breaking that, that pattern. He should be like, if he's being raised by Eli, he should be like Eli and his sons. Yeah. But he's not. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to become a theme as Samuel anoints those God has called as well, but it, it seems like the only way to break that chain of, Mm-hmm. disobedience is God's insertion of the anointed one kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, which actually goes into a kingship theme, I would say, mm-hmm. um, is that, well, cause the, the argument for, it's weird that they still get a king even after being told not to. Yes. Um, and one reason for that could be that Samuel is in some ways propaganda, right. <laughs> and is kind of written by the well, victor of that argument. Hold on. No, I, Hold I on. think I know what I'm talking it does, about here. Yeah, you do. I know you wrote a paper on this. <laughs> I was just about to say. But it, God does promise them a king in Deuteronomy. He does. Fair enough. But then in chapter eight, he's like, hey, this is going to suck for you. And he's going to take all your food and all your children. Well, I think the idea would be if they make the king rather than God making the king. Mm. Fair enough. So then Samuel sets up that the one who anointed the king was anointed by God or was chosen by God. And then it has to work that way all down the line. Mm-hmm. Even though when Samuel chooses Saul, anyways, it's a whole thing. Well, I, I'm getting well, way too I, far ahead. Well, no, no, no. I think there's a parallel there. And yeah. like, we'll address that later with God's acceptance of divorce mm-hmm. in marriage, in the law, right? Where it, Jesus says that Makes uh, an allowance. Moses made an allowance with you because of your sin and your determinants. And so, for the time he was uh, fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Same with Saul where they were like, we want a King. We want a King. God's like, you don't want a King. Don't ask for a King. Mm -hmm. We want a King. We want a King. Your, your funeral Mm -hmm. literally. Um, and they they were like, sounds good. We want, if he's like, if that's what it's going to be, we want a King. And then he was like, okay, you're not going to wait a few years for this kid to grow up. Okay. Yeah. Like, and then they do end up getting what he wanted anyways. Mm -hmm. But sadly, David gets some bad influence from Saul. So, yeah, some after effects. But that's for later episodes. What we see here is Samuel, the one who will king those kings, Mm -hmm. is obedient. And he's, there's a comparison of the obedience, his obedience with their unobedience, disobedience. And that's a cool image. And that brings us into the next two sections, which is the Lord rejects Eli's sons. And then the Lord raises up Samuel. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Why is Samuel considered to be like the first of the prophets? If um, Samuel 2.27 says, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. <laughs> that is a very good <laughs> Like bridge to the next section. Well, that's stage three, actually. It's profit. <laughs> oh, yeah, no yeah. So Eli's a very old man, mm-hmm. uh, and he kept and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing in Israel, and how like he went to them and was like, "Hey, don't keep doing this thing, right? Don't keep doing the bad things." Uh, they say no. And so like, that's their final disobedience. And then Samuel continues growing in stature and favor, which is parallel to Jesus's growth and wisdom and stature and blah, blah, blah. Um, also at the temple, which is an interesting notion there. Um, and then it says, and there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, just like Caleb says, what's his, uh, what's his condemnation of Eli and his sons? In in short, yeah, your family's not gonna do well because it's gonna be cut off. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's a short. It actually, it's a rather long condemnation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's the basis. There's there will be no one old in your household, and, yep. and essentially you will you will cease serving the Lord. Yep, 
I will remove your strength. Your whole family will die in their prime. The sons, your sons will die on the same day. You will see trouble in your dwelling place mm-hmm. and your eyes will fail and there will not be an old man in your house. It's not a good time. No, no. And then the final line is, uh, what is it? Behold, the days are coming. Um, oh, where is it? Yeah. So, and then he, he finishes it off with the declaration that his sons will die on the same day. Mm. Right. And that's like the final, like all these bad things to your family in general, but your sons will die on the same day. Specifically the ones that are not doing specifically the, the ones wicked, that are the worthless well. ones, the worthless ones. Um, yeah, they'll be cut off. Oh, I wonder if there's an interesting connection there between the sacrifices. Like to cuz like sacrifices are what you do in a covenant, which is you you cut a covenant. Anyways, there's an interesting, like they're being cut off from the covenant that they're sacrificing to. There's an interesting mm-hmm. I have to look at that. Yeah. You will receive the punishment of the covenant? Is that what he's trying to say? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The the natural punishment of the covenant would be that you are cut off like the animals in the mm. making of the covenant. Yeah. And so now they are being cut off. Um, but he contrasts that curse, right? Oh, and the reason he, like, that's the curse, right? Is the, the rule of the strength, the family dying. But the reason he does it is he says, because they're scorning my offering. And the word offering is gift. So, like, they're, they're, they're worthlessly messing with the gift I've given them. They're not treating mm. it with honor. Right. They're treating it with contempt. And specifically, and you honor your sons more than me. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. word honor is the word kavod or glory. Mm-hmm. You glory your sons more than me or the word heavy. Yeah. And he's fat. Oh, yeah, you got him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, blind fat man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you're taking the fat from the offerings. Yeah. And you're getting fat off it. You're Mm -hmm. taking my heavy, my glory. Yeah. And you are becoming fat and heavy Mm -hmm. because you're consuming my glory. Yeah. My offering. But there's also... Can I... Can I tell the, the joke? Absolutely. It's not really a joke. It is a joke. <laughs> but we'll get it into... depends on your sense of humor. We'll get into the end of the joke in the next episode. Oh, really? We're not going to cover that part? Say it now. <laughs> Say it now. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Take over. Episode? Yeah. So what happens when the, the ark goes away in chapter five? Oh, yeah. I guess it is pretty far from here. <laughs> Shoot. Um, when the ark goes away and uh, it's reported back to Eli that his sons have died. Um, and the ark has been stolen. Um, the son of one of his sons um, is named. The glory of God has left us, mm-hmm. or sorry, um, the glory has left us. Kind of a yeah. thing. Um, and so, as soon as he comes back and hears the news, he falls over in his chair and breaks mm-hmm. his neck and dies because he's um, fat. So, does his grandson's name now mean the glory of God has left us, or the heavy has left us, <laughs> which? Yep. I was doing a paper on it, and I found that what I thought saw was a pun, mm-hmm. um, and apparently nobody has written about it, <laughs> uh, so it might not even exist. But I, I think it does. I, I think there's th- something interesting. This is showing that this might actually exist with <laughs> yeah. the whole fat thing and the yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, if I'm going to do a biblical, well, no, because of then fat, no, if, if you do a paper on it, this is easy. This is easy. In a journal. Because write this paper, get published. I, yeah. yeah, actually, though, maybe. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll think. Because about it. they're taking, they're consuming themselves the glory that should be his. Yeah. And when he leaves Israel and takes his glory with him, yeah, the people that have consumed it die. Yeah. It's being taken from the earth. They're being taken from the earth. Mm-hmm. So there's an interesting like, if there is that connection, it's not just with words. Yeah. It's also with the actions. Mm. Which means he's making a. It. I wouldn't say he's making a joke. Yeah. It's definitely wordplay. Yeah. It's dark. It's something. <laughs> dark wordplay. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um. And so yeah, their their crime is heavy. Yeah. Get it. 
Yeah, we've been making the same joke for a while. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so they're bad, and that's their curse. They're going to get rejected. They're rejected, and they're going to die. Yeah. All of them. And we just discussed how mm-hmm. they die. Um, but in contrast to this, God now says he will raise up another. And the phrasing for that is really cool because okay. there's some messianic and kingship stuff there. He says, and I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Hmm. And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and shall say, please put me in one of the priests place that I may eat a morsel of the bread. Hmm. He will take your place and you will, your family will grovel. You're going to be skinny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. You're going to be without glory without the honor that you've been stealing from me. Yeah. Um, but the, the attendance to the anointed one, mm-hmm. right? So there's like that theme of like, he will be the one that attends to the anointed one, the, yeah. the Mashiach, the, the Kings. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he does, he attends Saul. He attends David specifically David, who is God's anointed one. Whereas like Saul's kind of the people's anointed one. Um, and he is a faithful priest day in and day out. And whenever Saul or the people are not focused on God's heart and mind, Samuel lives that out. Yeah. He corrects them and he does what Samuel what does what King Saul should have done in a couple instances. Um, and it's really cool. And then we get into like him actually calling Samuel. Um, how does he do that? How does he call Samuel in chapter three? He just he yells his name when he's asleep. Yeah. Can, can I ask you a question? So you call yes. Um, it says that Samuel's sleeping in the temple. Yeah. Temple's not built until David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I, hmm. So I, I know it's, it's nothing. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> yeah. There was a temple. It's just not significant. Do you think that it's the... It's the tabernacle just set up in a permanent type fashion. I think it's not. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I think that's not impossible. Mm-hmm. I think that's like because they haven't built a temple yet, there's, it's not going to continue moving They're in around. the land. They're not expecting to move anywhere. Yeah. And that's where it was settled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting is it's near Shechem, which is where Jacob comes in. Mm-hmm to the land when he returns, like we covered Mm -hmm. um, in like waiting for Esau to settle down. And there's like a, the the temple is there where Jacob was waiting for Israel to settle down before the temple can actually be built and he can dwell in the land. Yep. Um, And so that's cool, but it's also, there's a couple notes in this that the practices that they're doing are not in the law. Specifically, the women attending the... Yeah, on the outside of the tent of meeting. The outside of the tent of meeting. There's, there's nothing about that. There's nothing about that. And the fact that it's a problem that they're having sex with them, yes, because they're supposed to stay faithful in their marriages, mm-hmm. but also it might be because they're like already syncretizing the idea of like virgins attending the temple yep. of the God, um, but not in any like sexual prostitution sense, yeah. just they have people like adhering to this, like mode Sacred of life. People yeah. are, should serve the gods. Therefore you yeah. should go serve God in whatever capacity. So they go to the temple, yeah. they find the, they construct a role for them to do outside of the temple. Yeah. Outside of the temple. That's if you're going to build something with the few pieces that you have, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. God just calls Samuel, just Samuel, Samuel, yeah. Samuel. Yep. Yeah. Um, and how old do we think Samuel is? Ooh, does it say the boy Samuel? Yeah. So he's, he's not, he's Let's still, he's still very young from what, from what I can remember. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't think it's God and runs to Eli and it's like, here I am. You called me. And, uh, he, Eli didn't call him and he's like, Hey, just go back to bed. 
And that <laughs> happens, as Joel and I mentioned, that happens three times. And on the third time, Eli's like, I, hmm, hmm, this might be God. Um, and it does, it does preface this whole thing with the word of the Lord had not been consistent and not, like, not common. It wasn't, um, God had not spoken mm. to a prophet mm-hmm. in, that, in that audible way. And it, what's interesting recently. is how it describes God coming to him. The first three times it, so the first time it mentions uh, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, but also like the, sorry, the word of the Lord was rare in those days and he just calls out. And then the fourth times it says the Lord came and stood mm-hmm. calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. So do you think that that's an implication of a visual, like a, a theophany? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I've, I've, there were, it, I've yeah. only more recently thought of it that way. Cause mm-hmm. in my mind, it had always just been audible every time, like the first three and that, yeah. And that time, but well, it could be, so there's a few ways you could go. I think it could be that that's like when you see the repetition and then the last one's different in biblical like writing, it's also a note that maybe it's saying that that was occurring the other times. Mm. Um, I don't think so because he doesn't see it and he immediately goes to Eli. Um, the other thing is in the other religions at the time, reoccurring visions instantiated its trueness. This is, yeah. Um, and so by not showing up, him repeatedly going and then Eli tuning in and going, oh, this it's real. Mm-hmm. Like this thing is happening because it's happening multiple times in a row in the same night, which means that whatever's he's seeing or hearing is true. Kind of right. similar with the like Babylonian, like if multiple people see the same vision over and over again or multiple dreams, like in Joseph, right, right, right. Two dreams back to back. It's like, oh, this is a, this is a prophetic thing. This isn't just a, I had a weird dream because I got drunk. Right. Um, but like you're correct, but this, yeah. the impl- what's presented at least is that this is audible. Yeah. Right? He's, this is not a sleeping thing. This is him hearing the voice of God audibly, mm-hmm. presumably awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then the, the prophecy that he gives Samuel is not a, not a, not a nice one. No. Um, and Samuel and, and Eli wants to know, does, cause when he sends him back, he's like, Hey, tell me what he says. Yeah. yeah he specifically says there's a, he, it's, it's the one time it's one of like two, three times where Eli is like good at his job. Mm-hmm. And it's just at the worst moment yeah. because he's getting some bad news. Um, he says this, um, here I am. Do not hide. What was it? He told you, do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you, yeah. it also says that's the ESV in this other translation. It says, it almost gives like the kind of gives the vibe that he expected it to be negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really, Eli called Samuel. Samuel, my son, here I am. What message? Oh, where is it? What message did he speak to you? Don't conceal it from me. God will judge you severely if you conceal anything from me that he said to you. Basically saying, like, if God told you something, you need to say it. Mm-hmm. A prophecy is meant to be spoken. Mm-hmm. Do not, Right? And so it's almost like, this is this is just the thought I had, was like, with all the prophets you get in the later on after the Kings, two Kings, the prophets have to go tell the Kings about this. And, and sometimes they got killed Mm -hmm. because the King didn't like the message. And it was, if, and prophecies are warnings to leaders that they should not behave the way they're behaving. And Eli is getting a prophecy from God through Samuel. And he's saying, don't conceal it. You need to say it because if it needs to be spoken to a leader, then it needs to be said. It's interesting. So it's it's even in his, even in his failure to to, let's say, restrain his sons properly, exercise mm-hmm. his authority to protect um, the tabernacle, the temple. At that point, yeah, um, he still understands his role as a as as a leader in relation to God's revelation mm-hmm. that he can't. So it, there's a weird there's a it's almost as though he has not forgotten who he's no. supposed to be. 
He still remembers. Yeah. And, even and that's by, sad. Yeah. Even by his reaction. So like, yeah, the negative news. Um, yeah. He tells him like, yeah, no mm-hmm. bad stuff's going to happen. Just confirming what the previous prophecy, uh, what that, that the previous man of God had said to Eli. Um, and then Eli just responds. Um, what is like, mm-hmm. this is, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Mm-hmm. After he gets the bad news. It was like, yeah, your son's going to die. Your lineage is going to, it's a bad time. He knows he's a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. And his response is, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Yeah. They won't listen to me. And I, I don't have the strength to stop them. Because it says he's 98 or something, isn't it? It says he's old. old. Yeah. Old, blind, and fat. Yeah. No, I, I believe it says when he dies, he's 98. Yeah, yeah, in chapter like, five. If he's like, like a boy here, and then they have kids, and then it says he grows up. Like, there's there's some years between this okay. and okay. Um, Israel going out and his actual death. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's that interesting. Like, he knows he's the one that's going to receive the message, and he knows that if God sends a message to somebody, it's bad through a prophet, and that they need to. Do you think that the fact the Lord was speaking? made this a bittersweet of like, oh, the Lord's going to do something in Israel, but I'm the first one to go. Yeah. Probably. Like, and and he's going to Samuel, yeah. not to the head priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means he knows that it's for him. Yeah, he's already done. Yeah. 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 That's rough. Oh, my goodness. And there's also something about like, Eli was the one who talked to God, but he couldn't be trusted with this message. Yeah. Right. If he, if he had received this message, it would never be spoken, which seems to be what has already happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not faithful. Yeah. Man, Eli's in a tough spot. <laughs> well, that's why it's shocking that he does just kind of go, all right. Yeah. Okay. This guy's playing checkers. Guy's playing chess. <laughs> you know, he's just not, he's not getting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's also interesting, it says that the word of the Lord came to him and that the Lord stood. Mm hmm. Which is a later on in the Bible that becomes an interesting idea. Yeah, I don't know where those specifically, John. Uh, <laughs> um, what What's uh, interesting about God standing and John? Um, well, when so the word personified standing person. Yeah, you you got to use words in between <laughs> words. Sometimes. So Jesus says that when you see me, you see the Father. Yeah, and He's the Word, and the Word is capitalized as God. In this case, mm-hmm. that's English, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah, but like it's, but the yeah. concept that the word of the Lord comes and then some sort of theophany stands before something. And when you see him, you see the head of the Trinity. Okay. So yeah. when you say it's a theophany. The head of the Trinity. Sorry. Like, sorry. The, the Godhead? Executor of the Trinity. Do you think this yeah. is pre-incarnate Christ? That would be the argument. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I, if that's I think, what yeah. you guys are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. I think it's more than appropriate to say that. Yep. Mm. Or at the very, well, it doesn't even say it's a messenger. It says that it is yeah. the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Yeah. And then the Lord stands. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is Samuel is referred to, he's, he sleeps in his father's house. Um, he grows up in wisdom and stature mm-hmm. in favor of the Lord, just like Jesus does outside the temple mm-hmm. in the same place and grows up to be the one who is faithful, a faithful priest mm-hmm. and anointed. And, and so there's, there's a, there's, it's like Samuel's influencing Jesus is influencing Samuel's influencing Jesus. Yeah. Like a weird, cool monkey cheese pattern image, yeah. um, image back and forth pattern there compounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah, sorry. I just didn't see the one to one there. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. Well, and then you add on that two faithful parents who it's her first kid. She gives to God. It says the Lord visited her and she conceived like there, there's a lot of Hannah Mary image there. Yeah. Elkanah who Mm -hmm. has every right to disavow her for doing something bad in the marriage. Um, he has every right to like disqualify her from the marriage, mm-hmm. but doesn't. He's behaving exactly like Joseph. Yeah. It's good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I love it. Samuel's a great book. We should have put it higher up on the tier list, Caleb. Yeah. yeah we're going to have to talk about that tier list at some point. 
I think Colton and I are going to make an inverted tier list. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would be your... No, let's leave that behind. Um, so he calls him three times, and so, then he appears. So the BS tier, yeah. So... <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this is Samuel's first prophecy and confirmation of him being the prophet of God hmm. as a boy. Yeah. That's a, and so like we get left with that con, like that contrast. Eli's sons get rejected. Elkanah's son gets raised up. Um, and then in the next two sections, we're going to read like the next episode is going to be about Eli's son's destruction. Mm-hmm. And With then the next episode after that is Eli's, sorry, Samuel's rise as prophet. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. This could be an interesting series, especially if we end off with the Davidic kingship mm-hmm. or like the, the three, what's it called? Three parted monarchy. There's a name for it. That's specifically that era. The original three Kings. Saul, Saul I mean, there's the, uni- there's the United Kingdom. United, like, it's, yeah, it's the United yeah. Kingdom. Hang on, Google hang on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know this was a story of Britain. We're anyway, so we're going to turn back to Anglicanism. <laughs> we're doing a series of the United Kingdom. <laughs> you know what I mean. The United yeah. Monarchy. Before whatever. Before Israel splits into Israel and Judea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Judah. Judea is later. I think it is just called the United Monarchy, though. Yeah. But so close. So close. Yeah, the first three kings, um, the two, yeah, they're good. Saul, like, Saul gets a bad rep, obviously, for disobeying God. Yeah. But in the beginning, he does prophesy. Mm-hmm. He is filled with the spirit, and he does start the kingdom. And he's tall. And he's tall. <laughs> he's big. He's tall. They pick him because he's cooler than everybody else. But he also hides away. In yep. baskets. Yeah, hides in a bunch of baskets. He's a coward. He was just looking for donkeys, and he found a bunch of Israelites. Yeah, they're like you want to be king. He's like, not really. Too bad. Yeah, <laughs> too well, bad. They, you're really tall. Well, like, there's a bit of him. <laughs> like Saul is interesting, right? Because like yeah. early on, like he's like he starts off as a coward, mm-hmm. but then you see him like he leads and he takes over the Ammonites, mm-hmm. like the Amorites. He 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 gets the the spirit and mm-hmm. prophesies and he's anointed and like mm-hmm. it looks like he's coming around yeah like it looks like he's growing up to be like a a better person mm-hmm. and then just absolutely falls apart yeah but we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah but it, it's totally gonna fall into that glory metaphor once again it's yeah. gonna be his his kind of hubris you're taking my glory yeah and you will be removed. Well, because he starts to take priestly office and it becomes a whole thing right yeah, yeah. but I'm now gonna give my glory my to this anointed. You are not my anointed. This guy's my anointed. Eli's sons are not mine. Samuel's mm-hmm. mine. And there's an interesting, there's another thing we didn't get into. He, Eli, uh, at the beginning of this section says, may the Lord raise up for you descendants. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it says, Saul, uh, the Lord will, ra- I will raise up my uh, priest. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, he says, uh, "May the Lord raise up for you descendants." Um, so there's an inch, a comparison thing there. Yeah. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Any last words? Um, I mean, I'm excited to get into it. We completely skipped the arc thing. If we're gonna be going right to the monarchies, but still, no, no, no. The I, next, I'm very excited to yeah. talk about the arcs. We'll, yeah. we'll do the arcs. Um, yes, yeah. there's so many good polemic. Polemic is gonna be a good word for the next episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Are we are we closing it out? That's we, all we got. What is our what is our social media looking like? Um. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us at secondratesaints.com. Uh, you can email us directly at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Um, that's, we love getting long form emails with like critiques of our content. We've gotten a couple now that like, and we won't get back to you soon because honestly it goes through the group chat and we're like, who has the best response? (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun interacting with this little bit of a a community that we found online. Um, I think we're just breaking a hundred subs on YouTube. I'm very Um, excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. Um, so definitely check us out on that. Uh, we're also on Spotify and Apple Music and whatever else you're listening on. Um, but thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you're enjoying the Samuel series mm-hmm. thus far, and I'd love to talk more about it. Um, let's just end the podcast.
Some horrible. Oh, did I? Well, edit that out. Wow. Edit that out. Edit that out. Some horrible stuff. 